Welcome to the Property Voice Podcast, helping you to navigate safely through the world of property investing. Get the lowdown and updates, insights and outcomes on all matters property with a splash of entertainment along the way. The Property Voice, a voice to trust among the crowd. Now, let's get started with your host, Richard Brown. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Property Voice podcast. My name is Richard Brown and as always, it's a pleasure to have you join me again on the show today. Well, we start our guest interviews for the Women in Property series with with a bang, as we have not only the delightful Helen Pollock uh, joining me as co-host, but the equally delightful Vanessa Warwick, who's here to share her story as she describes it, which goes from rock and roll to bricks and mortar with both Helen and myself. Now, just listen out for some Bengal tigers, or maybe Bengal tiger cats, purring away as Vanessa relays her property journey and also that of property tribes right now. Okay, so let's get on with this week's featured topic with Property Chatter. Well, I'm delighted to say that, um, and, and Vanessa, you might not even realize this, I've got Vanessa Warwick on the line. I've also got uh, Helen Pollock on the line. We're going to do our very first recording of uh, Women in Property series, which is, as it sounds, profiling and showcasing you know, some of the, the bright sparks out there in property from, from the fairer sex. And um, Vanessa, hello and, and welcome to the Property Voice podcast. How are you doing? Oh, hello, Richard. Yes, I'm very good. Thank you. And thank you so much for asking me to uh, take part in the inaugural Women in Property podcast. I feel honoured. Thank you. No, you're welcome. Now we're honoured actually to have you on. And uh, Helen, I just want to bring you in very early into this and uh, you can say a quick hello and introduce yourself as well. You're going to be my co-host throughout this series to make sure I don't ramble off and be too blokish as I said in the (laughs) preamble. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'll do my best to keep you in line, although I don't think uh, I'll need to. Um, so, yes, I'm Helen Pollock, um, aspiring property investor. And I run my own marketing and PR consultancy, Bergamot PR. And I, I seem to have quite a few property clients these days. So I'm really interested to uh, to chat with Vanessa and the other amazing women in property who are going to be coming on the series. It's all nice and cosy, isn't it? So great stuff. Um, so Vanessa, it's, it's it's really all about you, to be honest. So I think um, you've got a very interesting past, <laughs> and, and probably present <laughs> and present for that matter. So do you want to just sort of maybe talk us? I'm sure you probably, a lot of the listeners will probably be familiar with you, but if you don't mind indulging us, would you mind sort of sharing a little bit about you know where you came from and how you got to where you are now? If that's okay. Yes, of course. Um, well, prior to getting into property investment, I was involved in the broadcast television industry. And I guess my main claims to fame um, are that I was a presenter on MTV Networks Europe for 10 years. And I believe I'm the longest serving presenter in the history of all of the MTVs. Um, and I also did some quite big music uh, productions, um, probably the most notable one being I directed Motorhead's 25th anniversary concert at Brixton Academy, which was a real, real honour. Um, and, you know, I like to say I went from rock and roll 
to bricks and mortar. (laughs) 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 And I guess it was just really, I met my wonderful husband, Nick, and um, he was working as a cameraman. And I think meeting each other was really a catalyst to make some changes in our lives. We've, We've both been doing what we've been doing for a long time. We were working very, very long hours. Um, you know, it was starting to impact on our health and well-being. And, you know, it became harder and harder, in, in certainly in the television industry, to get commissions. And Nick said to me, look, you know, now that we're together, we found each other. Why don't we try and do something uh, where we could have a lifestyle where we could continue to work together because we were already working together in, in television um, and really be able to develop uh, a, a really good work-life balance where we could go off and have adventures because Nick and I are both very, very outdoorsy. We love um, hiking, climbing, uh, sailing. Um, you know, we're always outside. And um, really just property seemed a very natural choice to us. Um, We both had our own homes that had gone up very significantly in value just by us living in them without even knowing what we were doing. Um, And so we thought, well, what could we do if we actually educated ourselves uh, as to how to get involved in property investment? So we went on a two-day seminar completely immersed ourselves in every aspect of it and um, we just really really dived in committed to it 100% Um, and that was nearly 15 years ago now in 2004 that's when we started building our Mm. property portfolio fantastic and 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 just um, were you effectively starting out in property at the same time as being in the media um, industry as it were or did you transition from one to the other well we transitioned from one to the other and I think that's a very good and pertinent question Richard because I see so many of these wealth creation uh, trainers saying oh you know you'll be able to give up property, give up your day job within a matter of months or a mm. year and go into property mm. time and personally I just don't think that's realistic at all you need an income to be able to access buy-to-let mortgage finance. So um, we gradually transitioned from the TV industry into property. Um, but, you know, that took, I would say, a good two to three years as we gradually phased the TV side of things out and became more involved in the property sector and started acquiring properties and developing an income from them. Yeah, well... It's funny, actually, because I remember, I'm trying to think, so 2004, did you say? And, um, and, and, and what you haven't mentioned at this moment, of course, is property tribes. So, um, <laughs> well, that came later, that came right. later in the video, I guess. Um, property tribes was started in 2009. Um, it's 10 years, 10 years old uh, this year. Happy birthday. Um, <laughs> we are celebrating. Um, Yes, Property Tribes. Um, It's it's interesting because it it was never intended to be a commercial entity. Uh, One day in in February 2009, I went to Nick and I said, 
look, I'm I'm getting into this kind of the social web and social media, but I just can't seem to find anywhere where you could have a really healthy and robust debate about property in a professional format without it kind of reducing to, you know, flaming and uh, trolling and so on. And I, I'm really mm. thinking about the early days of, you know, singing pig where uh-huh. it was pretty wild west there and you had to be pretty teflon coated to even dive into some of those conversations. Um, so Nick said, yeah, let me set, let, set, let me set you up with your own little platform and just invite your friends along there, um, which is what he did. Property Tribes was set um, up on a free free platform initially that we you know just downloaded um, and used. And it, it just really grew and grew and grew and grew. Um, and we really started it because we wanted to learn and grow ourselves. Um, but it just turned into this incredible um, community. Um, and after a few years, when we had thousands and thousands of members, we realized that we actually had something that could really make a very positive difference um, in the private rented sector through the education mm. of landlords. And we had this belief that if we could help landlords be better landlords, not only would they mitigate their risk, but they would also um, be, you know, provide better uh, homes for tenants. So in a very roundabout way, landlord education would actually help raise standards in the private rented sector. So it was at that point that we moved Property Tribes onto a bespoke platform that we, we paid for ourselves. We actually sold two properties to be able to afford to do that. Um, and we had to move all our many thousands of members across and all our content across. It was a massive undertaking and very scary. And I, I, I was so worried that it, it would just die away because people were used to the old platform and the old interface. Um, but we made the transition. Um, and then again, two or three years ago, we moved to Property Tribes 3.0, which is the, the version that you see today, and which is obviously mm. by far the most advanced version and interface. Um, and we obviously it was costing us money. We rent massive server space. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to accommodate all the data on it. Um, so we, we had to monetize it. So mm-hmm. we decided to monetize it via the advertising sponsorship and affiliate model, which is all very clearly signposted on the site. And that's really what has helped um, keep Property Tribes as a free-to-use community resource. I mean, and I know Helen's probably got some lots of things to jump in as well. I do, but I've, I've probably taken, I've jumped forward, haven't I? I fast forwarded a bit in your chronology there because, it, I mean, the property tribe stuff. I didn't realise was it came along a bit after you started in property in earnest, as it were. So we'll maybe go back, go back there if we will, and then come back to the property tribes. But so. And by the way, I do applaud you with Property Tribes. I think it's a, it's a tremendous mm. resource. It's definitely one I plug to people, you know, and I, I always plug it to people if they want to know the real truth sort of thing. It's, a, it's kind of one of those sites, isn't it, where, you know, it's mm. very ethical and transparent and, you know, there's, you know, a lot of, um, uh, it's not the trolling side of it, but there's a lot of honesty that's shared, I think. 
on the platform. But maybe we'll come back to that later. But if I just rewind a bit back to around about 2004 then, um, so what, what were you doing in property uh, when you started out and, and, and has it changed over the years? Well, it has, because obviously, even though we did a, a two day educational course, um, we really only scratched the surface. And whilst we 100 percent applaud authentic education, um, because we know that it mitigates risk and it can help you fast forward what you're doing. Um, there, there's no, you know, no, nothing that can replace actual experience. Um, so we were living in London at the time and I I had been living in a two bedroom apartment in Finsbury Park in North London. And I'd been living there for about 14 years and um, I, I paid 87,000 for it. Uh, and when we came to have it evaluated, um, to help us kickstart our buy-to-let portfolio, um, I discovered that it was worth three hundred and forty thousand. <laughs> so, <Wow. laughs> yeah, um, our first instinct was to take some uh, equity out of that, and I was super, super cautious and only wanted to take out forty thousand. Um, but Nick was no, no, no. You know, if we're going to go for it, let's go large. Um, so we released uh, 100,000 from that property and started our buy-to-let journey. Our first purchase was um, a one-bedroom flat in uh, equidistant between Holloway Road and Highbury and Islington Tube Station. Um, it was in a very sad state. Uh, you couldn't get actually through the front door because there was so much post behind the door. Nobody had lived there for a long time. Um, the carpet was covered in um, burns from an iron, strangely enough. Um, mm. It was decorated lime green, orange and purple. <laughs> and really, <laughs> the bathroom was so disgusting that you, you really wouldn't want to step over the threshold, even if you were desperate to go to the toilet. It was really that bad. So cut a long story short, um, we, we bought it um, a, a, a very deep discount because of the state it was in and we did um, a refurbishment on it very in a relatively short space of time um, and uh, that was our first our first property and we've owned it ever since it's uh, rented out to this day and I can barely actually recall a time when it's been empty it's very very popular little flat in a very very good location and does extremely well. And um, again, I recall that we paid 147,500 for it in 2009. And the one next door is just sold for 320,000. So it's done well from a rental yield perspective, but also mm -hmm. from capital growth. Um, and, you know, it's a kind of stalwart of our portfolio. And, and really we carried on um, buying um, one and two bedroom apartments in certain postcodes in, in London around where I've lived for so long because I knew those areas really well. I knew that there was very high tenant demand. I knew that those areas were up and coming. Um, and we moved a little bit out into um, other postcodes, East 17, East 14. Um, but then 
kind of had this realization because the, the bills for the service charges on these flats were absolutely massive. And I suddenly realized, you know, crikey, I've got to find, you know, another 2,600 for this service charge. And that's when we switched our strategy and we started moving on to three and four bedroom family homes in the southeast. So we've got properties in the what I call the M3, M4 corridor. Um, and then I guess the final stage of our portfolio, just very broadly speaking, um, was that we diversified into holiday lets in 2008, 2009. And we've got two holiday lets on the south coast. And they've done really, really well. So we, we did change our strategy as we learnt that very important lesson about cash flow. Now, I have to say flats in London have done extremely well, extremely well. So we've, we've been OK there. Um, but certainly we do have a flat in Leeds, for instance, and it hasn't done anywhere near as well as the London flats in terms of capital growth or indeed cash flow or quality of tenants. So again, a lesson learned there. Yeah, so I mean, uh, so when you just going back to your first property and the fact that you did a refurb on it, did you refinance it as well to effectively pull out some of the equity or did you leave it all in in the property? Um, we did we did refinance it um, probably about nine months later and we were able to pull back a lot of um, our cash and, and start again. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think oftentimes it's, you know, getting going, isn't it? Um, having the mm. funds to get going and then having the, the repeat funds to go on to the next one. So uh, obviously when you were doing something like forcing the appreciation there by doing a refurb, I imagine you you can help to make the pot go a bit further. That, well, absolutely. Mm. Look, there's no, there's no doubt about it. When when I was starting out in 2004, 2005, it was it was far, far, far easier to get lending and um, you know to recycle cash. We didn't have the PRA. Um, we didn't have uh, so many underwriting uh, stricter criteria. Uh, we had the famous products that where you could legitimately do a no money down deal. Um, you know, in that, in, in those, what I call the golden days of, of buy to let finance, it, it was very easy to keep growing. Um, we did it quite, I would say, um, you know, quite reservedly, actually. Sometimes I think we could have been a lot more aggressive in what we did, but in, in another way, I'm glad because some of the landlords that started out at the same time of us, um, you know, who did do huge amounts of no money down deals, who were very, very highly leveraged, who maybe didn't buy such good quality properties, they will be struggling now. And um, some of them have indeed, you know, gone bankrupt and gone pop. So, um, yeah, I, I think we were very fortunate that when we started out, it was relatively easy to get financing, particularly if you're self-employed as I was. Um, and it was relatively easy to recycle cash either through forcing the appreciation through refurbishment or indeed just that prices were going up, you know, really quite dramatically over those years. So um, I think if I was starting again now in 2019, I would not 
find it so easy and I would not be able to grow as quickly as we did. Vanessa, can I jump in there, um, please? So for someone like me, who is a, an aspiring property investor, it with this sort of changing market context over the past few years, it just seems really hard to know what strategy to take now. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I think... I think you're right, Helen. Um, it, it, it is harder to know which strategy to take. Um, certainly bearing in mind that with the advent of the PRA, you know, typically you have to put in higher higher deposits. And actually, mm. certainly if you're affected by Section 24, it makes sense to have a lower loan to value as well. So it, it is incredibly hard. And I think, you know, working with a reputable and specialist broker now is more important than ever um but having said that you know in my heyday of building the portfolio my broker was on speed dial and was you know, a very important part of, of helping us you know grow um and and, and uh, raise our game each time i guess um and for somebody starting out you know they're still being told stories of these go-go days of easy money where you could do no money down deals and you could put in a, you know, you could, I remember buying a four bed house in High Wycombe, which I still own to this day. I got a 10% gifted deposit from the developer and I got a 90% loan to value mortgage that allowed a 10% gifted deposit. So all I did wow. for that was um, pay the transition cost. Now that product, is long gone and yeah. you don't get listed deposits anymore or if you do the value it just tends to downvalue the property by the amount of the gift um so yes it, it, it's it's a lot harder and i think people will grow a lot uh slower now unless of course they're starting out with you know very significant kind of starting funds but um i think in the current market conditions uh, you know, buying a property, forcing the appreciation, trying to recycle what you can and holding that property um, for the long term. I think that's probably uh, one of the best ways to to, to move forwards. Um, strangely enough, that first property bought was really one of the only refurbs we did. Um, after that, we focused on buying new builds and we mm. looked to get kind of significant discounts direct from the developer so it was really only that one that we, we used that method ourselves yeah and going back also to what you were saying about when you started and the transition taking a couple of years two or three years i think you said um between mm -hmm. you know working i know you're you're probably freelance um, i imagine you're self-employed for sure um you were yeah yeah. And then uh, I often have people come to me and, you know, you'll probably laugh when I say it, but, you know, I want to go full time in property and I want to go like now, you know, within a year type of thing. <laughs> and, you know, my first question to those people often is, well, first of all, what are you doing now? And second of all, why are you in such a hurry? Uh, what do you want to achieve about mm -hmm. this? Because it, it's about the end. It's about the outcome. You know, really, it's not about do you just love property so much that you just you want to be an interior designer or something like that. But um, for me, it's a means to an end. So I think people, if people are in stable employment or they've got a regular income, um, oftentimes it's good just to keep that going. 
and then you know siphon some money off and put it into property along the way. So steady as she goes type of thing. Um, you know, it could be could be a reasonable strategy. It depends what people are after, obviously, in terms of goals. But the heyday or the golden years of uh, uh, you know same day remortgaging and all that, that that existed probably prior to the financial crisis, they're not with us. But but Vanessa, you've been, you've seen uh, depending on your view of property cycles, you've seen at least almost a full cycle if you if you subscribe to the eighteen year version. Um, do you see it all coming back around again? I do, Richard, because I, I, I'm I'm a total believer in property as an investment. It has always served me. It always saved my bacon. It's always um, provided a way forwards. Um, you know, if if house prices are in decline yields tend to be improving if yields are in decline you've got capital growth so either way uh, you know one thing i found on on my property journey is that when whenever there's you know a, a, a dark cloud um if, if you look hard enough you'll always find a silver lining in property you can always find an angle that helps you keep going and moving forward and helps you stay in the game um, and that that's really one of the things that that I love about it for sure. Um, and you, you've got to, as you so rightly said, start with the end in mind. Why are you doing this? What do you want out of it? Um, and you've got to take a long term view. Now, when I started that long term view, maybe it was 15 years. And now I think you're talking 20 to 25 years to really really benefit from being in the property game so it, it has changed but you know I've kept the faith and I think sometimes when you look back something that felt like a roller coaster at, at the time you look back and it just looks like a small kind of hill you know a small bump that you, you did overcome because you took a long-term view so um People, you know, wanting to rush in, thinking they're going to be a millionaire in a year, thinking you don't need any money to do this. I'm really sorry to say, but those days, those days are gone. They don't exist anymore. Um, and for sure, you've always needed money in property. Even the example I gave when I bought a four-bed house in High Wycombe with no deposit, I still needed the stamp duty. I still needed... Uh, the legal costs and you know managing and running a property has costs associated with that um, I always state this as an example but if a boiler goes completely unserviceable to replace that you are talking a minimum of 1250 pounds maybe up to you know 3000 pounds depending on the property in the boiler so to say that you don't need any money in property is wrong you do because you have mm. over 182 government statutes and regulations that you have to adhere to in order to, uh, you know, present a compliant home to and safe home to your tenants. So if the heating goes, you are legally obliged to get that fixed. And if you haven't got any money, then what are you going to do? 
That's a really good point, Vanessa. Um, and I think that also leads quite nicely into uh, the next kind of section that we'd like to talk about, um, which is highs and lows and, and barriers and obstacles. And perhaps um, in the context of this series, it would be good to find out if you feel that you've encountered any barriers or obstacles because you're a woman. Um, and, and also the flip side, which is, I guess, that, you know, are there any ways um, that being a woman has, has helped you in property in some way? Well, I think, first of all, you know, for, in my part, um, I'm, I'm in the very fortunate position of, of having a very supportive partner. And I think that makes a huge difference for women in property. I, I think it would be different if you were just, you know, solely on your own without any support. So when I mm. talk about this topic, I'm speaking from the perspective of having a very supportive partner. Now, certainly in our setup, I am the prime mover um, with our properties. Nick actually has very little interest in them at all. Um, he, 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 you know, I deal with them on a day-to-day -day basis. He has very, very little to do with them. Um, occasionally, I might say to them, oh, this is happening at this property, or what do you think about this at this property? And he'll share his view. But as a general rule, in our setup, it's me that, that runs the properties. But I know that he is there in the background, that he 100% has the same commitment to doing this that I do. I think if you had a partner that didn't believe in what you were doing, I, I do think that would, that would be more of a challenge. So um, certainly in our uh, arrangement, I am the prime mover. I am the one that went out and um, started building relationships with developers. Um, I'm the one that negotiated the deals. Um, mm. And I, I, I can't say really that being a woman has, has particularly been, been any hardships, to be honest. Um, you know, I've, I've always tried to act in a professional manner and present myself in a professional manner. And I think that, you know, property is so, so much a people business and about building relationships. And mm. I've always um, approached everything that I've done really as trying to forge some rapport with the person that, that I'm dealing with. Um, and, and, you know, that has paid dividends i can i can well i mean yeah i mean you make some really good points there i was just ob observing and listening as you were highlighting that vanessa i mean first of all you talk about the partnership and maybe maybe a, if a clue to split roles and responsibilities between yourself and nick and if, if it's not yeah. split roles and responsibilities at least the sort of mutual support and accountability perhaps that that, that you have as a part as a as a couple so that was there. And I think I was going to ask you about things like principles and values, but you kind of speaking that in every answer you give. And, um, you know, you, you were suggesting perhaps that, it, you know, because it's a people business and if you approach people in the right way, what difference does it make if you are male or female, you know, or if the other person's male mm -hmm. or female? Um, I don't know, but um, obviously I don't have the receiving end being you know being a female so i don't know if there's a particular bias that uh you know that the, the women face in property but you i think what you're suggesting is if you start with you know being professional and respectful then probably you get that back um so i i think you do mm. and that's the same you know in any business and i think 
you know, the, the person that is at the heart of everything, and this is not stated enough, it is the tenant. The tenant is the client. The tenant wow. is the person mm. that we are providing a service for. Um, and again, I treat all my tenants with the utmost respect. Um, if I, if, if, if they encounter a difficulty, I, you know, I show empathy towards their situation um, and I will help them through that situation as best I can if they are willing to cooperate. Just a little bit about property tribes because landlording is a very serious business, isn't it? Well, it, it, it surely is. Um, li I, I don't exaggerate when I say lives are at stake. Um, you know, the worst thing is to get the call saying your tenant's child tripped on the carpet and fell down the stairs and broke their neck or a CO, you know, a, a carbon monoxide a release in the property and the tenant suffocated or there's been a fire. You know, I, I can't state the seriousness that we have to take our role as landlords. Lives are at stake. Um, I think also that, uh, you know, the tenant does have to be at the heart of, of, of everything that we do. And if we don't provide a safe and compliant home, um, that's downright irresponsible in my book. Uh, what we try and do at Property Tribes is we try and support landlords in not only making wise investment choices when they're deciding that, you know, the type of property to buy and where to buy, but also to educate them in tenant and property management and compliance, make sure that they understand regulation, that they're kept up to date with the ever-changing regulatory landscape, um, and, it, you know, it's becoming more and more of a challenge to keep up to date because new laws and regulation and legislation is coming in all the time. And certainly, I would say in the last three to five years, the pendulum has swung very much in favour of tenants. So, you know, if you don't provide a compliant home, um, you know, there's civil penalties up to £30,000 um, and in some cases un unlimited penalties. So everything that we tribes is about mitigating risk. And I guess you could say that property tribes is like a massive hive mind of landlord experience and intel. And if you use other people's hindsight as your foresight, it helps you avoid the pitfalls. So nothing, oh. you know, gives me greater pleasure than for somebody to say, you know, Vanessa, thanks so much for sharing what happened to you when you made an error. Um, thanks to, you know, reading about that, I've avoided doing the same thing. So that's really what it's on all about. Property Tribes is on a mission. Our mission is to uh, educate landlords, help them make wise investment choices, help them mitigate risk, help them to become smarter, um, help them to become more profitable, help them to become better landlords, because ultimately, as I said right at the start, we believe that that will help raise standards in the private rented sector and give tenants a better experience 
of renting from private landlords. Thank you for that, Vanessa. Property tribes offer such amazing value for um, people visiting the uh, the site. And it's probably a good point to ask you now, what are your top tips? What's your best advice for newbies uh, in property and, and perhaps for women in particular looking to um, invest in property? Yes. Um, I, I don't know whether some, a woman starting out on her own, um, you know, she, she needs to be on her guard. There, there will be people out there that seek to exploit any, any vulnerabilities there, particularly in certain networks. And again, I'll refer you to the what I call the wealth creation industry. Um, there's a lot of very unscrupulous people um, that, that go into those networks and seek to take advantage of others. You, you really do need to be on your guard and really, certainly, in the, you know, for property tribes, what we've tried to create is a very trusted ecosystem where it's safe to come in. Everything's transparent. Um, there's no agenda to sell anything, which is very, very healthy. Um, we have community safeguarding protocols in place to protect newcomers from any unscrupulous individuals that seek to operate within our platform um, and we will only work with very trusted suppliers of products and services um, who are obviously our advertisers and affiliates and they're all clearly signposted so if there's ever any uh, entity on property tribes that has a con commercial connection to to our business then that will be notified on the thread so people can be very clear where there's a commercial relationship. And, and we regard that absolutely as one of the fundamental principles of creating trust within property tribes is to have that level of transparency. And I think that's reflected now by, by the community, but also by industry stakeholders and, and, um, and our advertisers, of which there seem to be more and more people wanting to get on board with property tribes, which is very, very gratifying. But you know, it's almost like property tribes is they kind of got like a shark net around it. <laughs> <laughs> Analogy, um, because certainly in certain sectors of, of the industry, um, there's no regulation um, and it does attract, unfortunately, rogues who, you know, go into networks, want to borrow large sums of money, make promises about huge returns or want large fees for mentoring and then don't deliver on it um, and certainly I think if you're a female on your own and you're a little bit nervous you don't have a lot of support within your family network then you know perhaps though, that without wishing to stereotype um, those those kind of spaces could be could be dangerous for you if you're not not on your guard and um, mm. to answer your question Helen um, and this applies for everybody male or female my, my number one tip is to become an expert in due diligence. And when I say that, I'm not just talking about, um, you know, somebody that you might be going into a commercial transaction with on an individual basis. I'm talking about become an expert in due diligence on tenants, 
I'm talking about becoming an expert in due diligence on how to better lessons agent, uh, how to, um, you know, do due diligence on a company. There's so many free resources out there that you can tap into to, to do due diligence on somebody or something um, that there's no excuse not to. Well, well, thanks for you know uh, indulging with that particular part of it. But it led on from your your due diligence tip, I think, uh, Vanessa. And, and equally, I wanted to applaud you. And you do say that you're perhaps one of the only, if not the only, you know, large forums that will take on these sort of people in this way. So, um, but I also appreciate, and I've seen lots and lots of posts and threads. Uh, contributions from people to support one another on property tribes as well. So I definitely endorse the wider, um, you know, community that you have there. So well done on that. And I think you've probably downplayed quite a lot of uh, the energy and the resilience and the know-how and the sheer hard work that you've put into it over the years. So uh, I just want to congratulate you on the 10 years of property tribes again. So wonderful. Oh, well, that's great. That's very kind of you, Richard, and it means a lot coming um, from you because I have the utmost respect for you and, and what you do as well. And I know you share this desire to educate and inform and so on. And, and I, I really do have to pay tribute to Nick as well because, uh -huh. you know, I'm the community manager and I'm very much, you know, active on the site on a daily basis. I'm very visible. I'm helping. I'm supporting. I'm directing people, I'm making introductions to people that I think can help and support one another. Um, but Nick's really in the background and um, he does so much as well in his role of developing the site um, and guiding it uh, and so on. And, you know, without his guidance and his kind of firm hand on the on the rudder, if you like, um, I, I don't think it would have been anywhere near as successful um, you know, as, as it has been. And certainly as the publisher, it is him that faces these these legal threats and, and challenges um, and uh, fends them off. Um, and, you know, touch wood so far over 10 years, um, we've managed to fend, fend them all off. Um, obviously, if it wasn't truthful, it would have been removed. So sure. we, as I said, you know, we mm. do make sure that that there's substantiated yeah. reporting on there and we do you know check things behind the scenes as well we're now in you know in a very pleasant position where we can run property tribes from our motorhome which is you know what we love to do we, we've got a 28 foot motorhome and we go out in it you know for most weekends and often for two three four weeks in on, on the go much like you Richard, where you can operate <laughs> in the world. So, you know, we've run property tribes from a cruise ship. We've run property tribes from our motorhome. We've run property tribes, you know, from being on holiday somewhere. And, I, you know, to my mind, that's the ultimate way to be able to, to operate. And I think additionally for me, um, I genuinely enjoy what I do on property tribes so much that it, it doesn't actually really feel like work to me. So I will be dipping out of it, in and out of it from, you know, seven in the morning till 10, 11 o'clock at night, quite, quite happily, um, not feeling like it's a chore or any kind of burden. So I think, you know, 10 years on, we're, we're very grateful for where property is, has helped us to get, um, but also where property tribes has helped us to get 
I was smiling to myself when you were saying some of the things you were saying because, you know, very often I sit, uh, you know, maybe a bad habit, Vanessa, but I sit on my, uh, on a sofa next to my wife. I've got a laptop on my lap and we're watching something together. You know, maybe it's the footy or something. We both like football. Um, and uh, she says, you know, are you working? And I go, no, and I just go, no, no, no. I, I just don't consider what I do working. So, you know, when I'm doing things like contributing to forums or, you know, scripting a podcast episode or tapping away an article for YPN, I, I don't consider that work. Um, maybe, maybe she's the wiser one and, uh, you know, she's busted me, but, uh, I was smiling when you, when you said that, but, uh, I think, you know, I was going to, you know, you've touched on so many things about your lifestyle, you know, operating property tribes and obviously your own property business for, from your motorhome. Um, so yeah. there's, that's something aspirational. Um, uh, you talked about monetizing property tribes more recently, I suspect than earlier. Uh, and hopefully yeah. that's making a positive contribution to your, your income. So, uh, but you didn't set out to do that. It's just happened naturally by the sound of it. So, you know, those, those, it, it, it grew very, very organically. Um, mm -hmm. you know, we've never spent a penny on any form of marketing, Google AdWords, paper <laughs> marketing, Facebook marketing. Honestly, we, we've never spent a penny. We've just grown it organically um just through having this very clear mission of what we wanted it to, to how it how we wanted it to serve landlords um and we've never wavered from from that mission and i i think we can apply this to our property portfolio business you know have a have a clear end goal have a mission have your values um and just stick to them and Keep them at the forefront of every time you're making a decision about something because they'll guide you what's what's the right thing for you. Um, and we've only monetized the in I guess the last four years, I would say. Um, and you know, I'll be honest and say I don't take an income from it yet. It's provided an income for Nick, but I have the income from the properties and I also do consultancy work. Um, for property in respect of building digital footprints, etc., because obviously property tribes is is proof of contact concept of that, and you know various corporations, property companies, etc., come to me. Um, I don't advertise it as a service; they just come to me and say, "Can we pick your brain about um, how to, you know, find landlords, how to communicate with landlords?" So I've done that, um, and obviously. We have a video production arm because we've transferred all our skills to video production for the property sector. So we also do quite a bit of video production um, for property, you know, property companies. Um, we do quite a bit of stuff for Shawbrook Bank, for instance. We produce mm -hmm. all their investor case studies. So there's there's it's it's quite healthy because it's that old business model of multiple streams yeah. of income. Yeah, we don't rely on on one thing. No, indeed. So, uh, you know that that kept very positive. But I think you know certainly, what I would say to as as a final kind of pointer to to people is, and and particularly women, if you feel a little bit lonely, a little bit isolated, I always say reach out, reach out to other women, uh, go to networking groups if, if you 
feel more comfortable, start with a women's networking group. Women are very supportive of each other. Um, I always, you know, try and try and support other women. Um, I think property is great for women because you can combine it with with childcare because of the flexibility that we've just been alluding to. I don't have any children. I have three Bengal tiger cats. Um, I thought you were going to just say Bengal tigers then. <laughs> <laughs> Bengal tiger cats. They're much higher maintenance cats than than normal cats. So I, I, they've got the intelligence of a of a three year old child in my opinion. So. Um, they they keep my hands full as well dealing with them um but you know they come with us in the motorhome so we will yeah. go together um but yeah i think don't don't be afraid to reach out and there's so many ways to reach out now even on facebook property groups on property tribes um you know on on social media like twitter uh, linkedin you, you don't have to work in isolation reach out to somebody can I buy you a coffee? Could I pick your brain for 10 minutes? You will be surprised at how, um, you know, approachable people are and how they are willing uh, just to share stuff. And they don't they don't want anything in return um, unless, of course, there's a commercial element and they may need to charge a little bit for their time. But, you know, don't be scared to reach out. Don't be scared to go onto Property Tribes and ask for help because there, there's so much out there. And when Nick and I started out in 2004, there really wasn't the social web. No. You know, sites like Property Tribes didn't exist. You mm -hmm. had your Wild West of, of Singing Pig, for instance. Um, <laughs> I remember but, that. You know, <laughs> now you've got some really professional platforms where you can, you know, make connections with people. And again, yeah. as we said, you know, building relationships and understanding that it is based on people and building that rapport and relationship. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of things out there to support anybody starting out, but certainly, you know, women if they're on their own. Perfect. Well, there's, you know, Vanessa, I could keep talking for ages, but I think we probably have to be mindful of our, you know, um, podcast listeners here and, and, and finishing at a normal stage. You shared so many, um, you know, really wise words, I think, and a, a lot of people are going to take a lot away from that, men and women alike. Um, perhaps, you know, as a final cue uh, is, you know, how could people reach you or, or even Property Tribes? Maybe um, we'll put it in our show notes. But if you'd like to say as well, some people can't, you know, look at the show notes and can just listen. You wouldn't mind just reading out contacts. That'd be great. Yeah, of course. Well, on Property Tribes itself at the bottom, there's something, there's a little link that says contact us. And my phone number and my email are there. And I can also be contacted uh, via Twitter, where my Twitter name is at four underscore walls. And I'm very active on Twitter, and I, I will generally always reply um, if anybody reaches out to me there. I'm very uh, visible at events, um, landlord events around the country, and always delighted to uh, speak to anybody that wants to chew the cud over property. Um, because I, I feel really passionate about it and I think it's such a wonderful thing um, to be involved with and I've, I've also found that it's really developed me as, a, as an individual as well um, and made me you know perhaps better better business person better person all around so 
Perfect. Well, I think, you know, lots of people probably reach out to you if they didn't already know you existed, Vanessa. It sounds like probably half the population do <laughs> uh, with your numbers on property tries. But I mean, Helen, I don't know if you've got any final points at all, but uh, before we, we perhaps draw to a close. I think just um, wanting it, really wanted to thank Vanessa for, for coming on the show. And it sounds like um, something that comes through really loud and clear is that um, aspiring investors should be looking to create a long-term sustainable business model that's based on uh, respect for um, you know, anyone you come into contact with uh, and, and for your tenants above all. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I think that's that's a good, good summary, Helen. Um, I think, you know, have a very clear mission and stick to that because, there, mm. you know, there's always a temptation or something that looks like a, a quick road to easy riches, but, you know, they, they, they rarely work out. Fantastic. I mean, Vanessa, your values, your values shine through personally and obviously on behalf of Property Tribe. So, uh, you know, just I think we do have to draw a close. But I think if anyone was any doubt about the, the merits and benefits of, of what you do in the community, uh, I don't think there's any doubt remaining. So thanks so much for the rich, you know, sharing that you've given today. I've certainly picked up some really good points. And, you know, just to be honest with you, mm. one of the ones I used to, you know, bang on about, you know, um, a lot um, was due diligence and you've kind of brought that back to the fore again I, I do it naturally now but I don't sort of bang on about it as much as I used to but I think um, particularly for newbies it's so so important to do your thorough due diligence at every single stage so um, your values the due diligence the story the inspiration mm. as well for other women uh, coming through in property and not just women all of us actually uh, thanks so much for sharing today really appreciate that well thank you so much Richard and thank you for, for having me as your inaugural guest <laughs> and um, good luck with the, the rest of the series and I should certainly um, be tuning in and, and, and listening to the other ladies that you've got coming up and hopefully making some connections with them pleasure thanks again Vanessa and uh, maybe the last word for Helen just um, yeah, just wanted to thank you again, Vanessa. It's, it's been brilliant to hear you talk about your own portfolio and your work with Property Tribes. You do offer so much, um, so much great information uh, to investors. Um, yeah, thanks very much. It's been great, and I will definitely be taking a far more diligent approach to due diligence in future. <laughs> Well, that's wonderful to hear. <laughs> Your property endeavours, Helen, as well, and uh, you know, do if there's ever anything I can do to assist you, then you only have to get in touch. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Brilliant. Thanks again. Um, we better draw a line. Thanks, Vanessa. Thanks, Helen. Bye for now. Bye. Bye. Well, Vanessa made so many good points during our conversation. For example, the value of good quality in uh, education. Uh, that property is now an even longer term investment strategy, certainly buy to let, um, that's become harder since, uh, since when she started out, uh, certainly from a financing point of view. And of course, how due diligence is her number one tip as well. And we should all get good at that. Vanessa also spoke of the need to be professional, show respect, 
and develop relationships uh, in all quarters. And that's how she has managed to avoid encountering some of the problems along the way and to build a sustainable property business too. And then, of course, there's Property Tribes, which is an open and transparent forum with literally thousands of people every single day visiting the site. And uh, where she puts it is a hive of experienced property investors and landlords who are ready to share their hindsight to act as our foresight. So that's a good enough endorsement to pay a visit if you've not done so already, isn't it? Helen's contacts uh, are in the show notes if you want to look them up, equally for Property Tribes, or in particular, she's very prolific on, on Twitter. I can definitely vouch for that. But I'd just like to wrap up really and say that's all for this week. And if you'd like to talk about anything from today's show or talk about any, anything about property investing more generally, you know you can always email me, podcast at thepropertyvoice.net, and I'd be more than happy to hear from you. The show notes, of course, can be found over at the website, thepropertyvoice.net, as usual. I guess all that's left to say is thank you very much for listening once again this week. And until next time on the Property Voice podcast, it's ciao, ciao. Thank you for listening today. Now head over to thepropertyvoice.net for more inspirational content and get updates through our mailing list. Join us next time on the Property Voice podcast. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't forget to rate us on iTunes.